This Tailgate Society podcast is brought to you by our good friends at Deadeye Premium Barbecue Products. Born in Iowa and made in the heartland, Deadeye is your go-to source for everything barbecue. Sauces, seasonings, you name it. They've made a science out of great grilling flavor. It's more than a sauce. Whether you're cooking sliders, dogs, steak, or chicken, Deadeye has the explosive flavor needed to make every dish delicious. Try a splash of their sweet and smoky original recipe or turn up the heat with their Magnum Edition barbecue sauce. Both flavors are available in seasonings as well as sauces. So pick your favorite and prepare your taste buds for an unforgettable eating experience. Deadeye Premium Barbecue products are available at Fairway, Hy-Vee, Amazon, or at DeadeyeBBQ.com. Hello and welcome to Culture Check, a Tailgate Society podcast. Please check the TailgateSociety.com. And subscribe to Tailgate Society podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I'm Honor Woods. I'm joined as always by Emily Cornell. Emily, what's going on? You know, living the dream. It's a good time to just sit and watch movies. Like, I don't know about Iowa, but in Texas, it's over 100 degrees. So it's a good movie watching time. Um, and I'm excited for the movie that we are going to talk about. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Yeah, it's pretty humid here. Um, I got to eat outside today, which was nice. I was just telling you how uh, my wife and I went to dinner tonight with a friend on a patio outside. We had our masks, social distancing. This is the first restaurant that I've been to since you've been in lockdown. So, um, But we were in the shade, so it was all good. And I am also excited to talk about this movie, um, a movie I hadn't seen. So this is the first of the movies that I haven't seen that we've talked about. So I'm, I'm really excited about it. Um, it is... Hidden Figures, which was released in 2016, directed by Theodore Melfi, and it stars um, Taraji P. Henson and Janelle Monet and Octavia Spencer. Um, Taraji P. Henson plays NASA math- mathematician Katherine Johnson, who just recently passed away in, in February of this year. And I think she was like 102 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and Janelle Monet plays NASA engineer Mary Jackson. Octavia Spencer plays... NASA mathematician and supervisor Dorothy Vaughn. So do you kind of want to give a little bit of a brief overview of what the movie's about and then we can kind of get into it because I'm excited about this one. Yeah, same. I um, This movie is very fun. Um, so it follows these three women who work at NASA um, and they are Black. I mean, obviously you could guess that we are talking about Black performances right now. Um, and so they... These three women, they work at NASA, and at the time, it's like the 1950s, 60s. So, like, one, the fact that women are working to begin with, like, in these types of roles is, like, pretty special. And for them to be Black women, um, that being said, they can only go so hard, so high, that glass ceiling, it's real. Um, And so they all end up kind of in their respective areas where... um, like Taraji P. Henderson's character is like working on like this space shuttle and she like um she's doing the math and she can just do it all like she's doing it on the whiteboard and people are so impressed by her all these people she's working with all these white men who like don't really listen to her but she is the only one who's like understanding the math of getting the rocket ship into space and then back down like she she gets it like she can conceptualize all of it um and so they eventually do start listening to her. Janelle Monet is also 
um, you know, her character is an engineer who's working on these things. And like, they're like, you know, do you want to go and work on getting, you need higher education. And the problem is you, you can't be black and attend the university of Virginia, but like, that's where they want her to go to school. And like, she ends up going, um, and then Octavia Spencer's character supervises all these um, black women who work at NASA in various um, STEM roles. And she tries to move up. She's like, you know, I should be this position of just the supervisor. And um, she repeatedly gets kind of put down by this white woman played by Kirsten Dunst, who's just like, no, like, it'll be like, you don't need to be the, you don't need the promotion. Um, and so her character ends up learning about the computer that IBM, what NASA acquires from IBM. Um, and she learns about this because she understands that like, it's important to have those skills to like stay quote unquote useful to the organization. And so she can t continue to work there and she ends up teaching people about this supercomputer. Um, and like all three um, characters are just these like, wickedly intelligent women um and it's it's made better that it's based on these three women who worked at nasa um i had not seen this movie until recently like i watched it for the first time like two weeks ago and um th there are some things that we'll like get into like i'm sure we're gonna want to talk about like pieces of it were like, I don't love this about the movie, but like overall, just to see that representation in STEM of black women and not just like, oh, they work there, but like they work at NASA, they are doing the math, they're doing the engineering, they understand what's going on. They're not just like content with being like a paper pusher or just like um, being um, like a custodian or like roles where people, minorities, that's where people typically think they are like, um Taraji P. Henderson's character like people treat her they're like oh yeah like the trash you can take the trash out and she like is this super smart woman and they're just like they treat her not great she has to run literally across the NASA campus to go use the bathroom which is like a big part of this story because of you know segregation um not great really not great time in our country's history and I mean eventually her supervisor is like, why are you gone for like long periods of time? She's like, I have to run across this campus to go pee. And I'm like, yeah, I just like, I don't even know. Like, that's such a weird thing to even think about. Um, given like my life experience. So like part that watching that part of that movie is just like, it's bizarre to see these very smart people treated not well and like just proving that like it doesn't matter how smart you get <laughs> um you you cannot always get to that next level um and that's kind of what this movie shows and i mean eventually the ending is happy right like um nasa now has a building dedicated to katherine johnson like it's 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 good yeah watching this movie um I was just telling you this before we started recording, but this is another one for me as well that I, I wanted to to see when it came out. It came out in 2016, as we said, and there was some um, awards, buzz mm -hmm. around it. Octavia Spencer was nominated for Best Supporting Actress at the Oscars for it, and it won a Screen Actors Guild Award, I believe, when I looked it up for Best Ensemble. 
we've discussed Janelle Monet and Octavia Spencer and Taraji P. Henson, and then Kevin Costner is in the uh, in the movie, Mahershala Ali, yeah, of uh, uh, first of uh, various other characters and supporting roles, and I think that it's a really well acted movie. Mm-hmm. One of the things that that struck me as I was watching it, and especially when it was over, just contrasting it to the last movie we watched, the last movie we discussed was Malcolm X, which was, you know, over three hours long. And besides that, it just covered, and we talked about this in the podcast, but it covers such a, a wide breadth of history of this man yeah. who starts as a young teenager and then it ends with his assassination when he was, I think he was 39 years old when he was assassinated. But it's such a, a complete contrast to this movie, which is basically like a year. Um, I believe the movie starts in 1961 and it, it concludes in 1962. So it's about a year of these women's lives and it's a really compact, tight, focused story about a really important event where they're trying to put... Um, American, it's a, it's a big, you know, the space race between America and Russia in the late 50s, early 60s, and Russia gets someone into orbit. And so America is kind of on its heels to do the same thing. And the, the big crux of the movie in the latter half is trying to get John Glenn into space, right? Trying to get John Glenn to orbit the, the Earth however many times, seven times, I think. But yeah, it's, it's such a, it's a very different contained story. Yeah. And so I think we wanted to focus on Janelle Monet's performance in this movie. And I'm sure we'll talk about the other, some of the other performances as well, particularly Tarazi P. Henson, because she's the main character. Um, yes. Janelle Monet is a supporting character, but um, some of my thoughts just overall in the movie. And, and I'm, I was so, so interested to hear your perspective on this. And I, I just agree with so much of what you said for me as someone whose job involves working with STEM students of color pretty heavily. That's a, a pretty big part of my job. And I'll talk a little bit about that um, in a second, but I just, I wanted to ask you for, as someone who, um, and, and you mentioned the brilliance of these women, of these black women and how, um, how the story needs to be told more and, and how, how important the story is. What are your, what are kind of your feelings in terms of you, you used to work in higher ed, I know. So, so, watching these women mathematicians and engineers and scientists, did you think back a little bit to, to your experiences working in college or how did that kind of strike you as you were watching the movie? Um, I thought more about how I wish this had come out when I was younger and I am very young now. Like we are both very young people. <laughs> Let's just start with that. True, very true. Like, relatively it, speaking, I guess. But. Yeah, like relatively speaking, we're very young people. Um, but I wish this movie had been like, if it had come out when I was like a sophomore in high school, I would have been all about it. Um, I I would have loved it. I love, I love NASA. I went there last year. And as an adult, I dragged three other adults with me. And I was like, this is the coolest thing we have ever done. Um they did not feel that way. It's fine. But so that I think that speaks more to like the representation and not just like, you know, there are obviously movies that come out that are catered to a black audience to tell black stories. And I might be wrong, but I, I feel like 
they're not like there has not been until recently like a, a lot of black stories being told from various perspectives and also being so mainstream um maybe maybe i just don't like watch enough tv i don't see enough commercial i don't know no i think that's a fair statement I okay fair so then so that yeah yeah like if if there was more stuff like this mainstream that were stories about people of color specifically women being a woman i want to see other women succeed and i want to see other women of color succeed because i understand like plenty of us see white women who are ceos and they lead companies and they're they're working in science there's you know even in like it doesn't matter if it's fiction or non-fiction stories like either as books or is like what we're watching like the content we're consuming um I don't feel like black women are represented in STEM enough. And so this movie, like, I I think that's where it like really resonated with me. Not necessarily when I worked in higher ed, because I like, you know, I was a grad assistant. I worked in student housing. And so then I like got to be a part of a lot of different areas of like um, the, the campus. But I don't know, this was, that was not something that like even crossed my mind of like, Oh, students of color in STEM um because it was just so far outside of my like day-to-day thing where I'm just like I just need to meet with these freshmen (laughs) um so hopefully like and I don't know if like college students see this movie and they're like inspired and they're like yeah maybe I should go into STEM or because like now I know like yeah sure like it looks a certain way where I am like you and I both went to PWIs so you're not seeing a lot of like students of color really in a lot of things but like they're there um but it helps to see people of color (laughs) in the things that you're pursuing and this movie just like sets it up really nicely um sorry for that very long answer to your question no that's exactly what i was looking for that's exactly what i you know i i want to understand your perspective and you know you and i kind of have some some similar experiences in, in working in higher ed and um, for those, it, we're using the term STEM, S-T-E-M, Science, Technology, Engineering, and Math. That's a, the acronym um, that we're using. And so, um, yeah, it's, I, again, drawing the parallel to Malcolm X, right, where in Malcolm X, you see at the beginning when he's a child and he's one of the most brilliant children and he's in a class full of white students, and you, this movie starts off with Katherine Johnson, and she is first of all. Well, I'll, I'll continue that thought. She's she's with a, she's in her class, and you see the movie sets it up so you know her brilliance and how early on her math acumen presented itself to other people. Right, mm-hmm. she was immediately one of the. She's probably in third or fourth grade, and she's already doing like algebra, geometry, and the teacher has a meeting with her parents telling her how telling her parents how gifted she is and things like that. And I agree with you. Like we, we, um, let me, let me go back for a second. I hadn't heard of Catherine Johnson until this movie came out, right? This movie came out in 2016 and I'm someone who considers myself pretty well-versed in, in black history, black American history specifically. And this is just, uh, again, this is one of those things that, it shows what we get taught in school and who teaches us. Yep. And the majority of black history that I've learned in my life has come from my parents, not from the public school system. Yep. 
but uh, a story like this about these women, um, these black women scientists at NASA, is a really important story, and they they played such an, an important role in getting American astronauts into space, into the moon, and things like that. And it's just, you know, the movie's called Hidden Figures for a reason, right? Like, there's two, there's the double meaning. There's the hidden mathematician, the hidden math figures that they're that they're trying to figure out, and then these women are just literally like hidden figures in history mm-hmm. and they're so important and their story needs to be told. And I was grateful that this movie came out, not only for me to learn, but for everyone else to learn and, and to sort of put that out there. Uh, what you said about representation. So one of the, one of the programs that I work for at Iowa state is a STEM specific program for students of color. And I am an advisor. I'm a student advisor for that program. And one of my responsibilities is to take students to conferences. And there's a conference in Indianapolis that I I take some students to. Two of the last three years, I've taken students to this conference. And in November, uh, last November, I took some students to this conference in Indianapolis. And there's um, sessions for the students to present their research and to hear from STEM faculty from across the Midwest. And there's also sessions for um, the staff who works for the students. And there are two keynote speakers at this conference in Indianapolis last year. And there are two, um, two black women. One is Dr. April Erickson, who works for NASA. Now she's Dr. Erickson, Erickson I, I would think is probably in her late 40s. And then there's Dr. Jessica Esquivel, who works for Fermilab. Fermilab is a national physics lab, and it's run by the U.S. Department of Energy. And Dr. Esquivel is a physicist. And so both of them, I don't want to get too too deep into this because I I could talk about this for a while. But both of them, basically, like Dr. Erickson is from was from New York, and she so she was talking about growing up in New York, and again. Um, her brilliance displaying itself at an early age. And she was, she was really into her STEM courses and also playing softball. Like, so she talked about her back and forth of playing sports and and taking her advanced math classes. And she went to Howard. And then I believe she got her PhD from MIT. And she talked about being one of the few black people working at NASA. And Dr. Esquivel is um, the second woman to ever get a PhD in physics from Syracuse University. And Dr. Esquivel might be a year older than me. I'm 31. So she could very well be 30. She could be 31. She, she's not older than 35. Wow. And yeah, and she's the second woman ever to get a PhD in physics from Syracuse. And I remember seeing on her slide that um, less than 150 black women in America right now have a PhD in physics, like less than 150. So, sorry, I, I, I misspoke. She's the second black woman to ever get a PhD in physics from Syracuse. Not the second woman, second, second black woman to ever, she's a black Latinx woman, second black woman to ever get a PhD in physics from Syracuse. So, and both of them kept talking about in their speeches how I was the first, I was the first, I was the only, I was the first one to, to, uh, to get this degree. I was the only one in this class. I was the only black woman in this class. I was the only, I mean, it, it just, it kept grating on me to hear that because it's just like, not in a way that I wasn't annoyed by them saying it. I was just like, it just, it kept piercing me because I kept thinking about them growing up and having these experiences and being the only people that look like them 
in their courses. And I mean, this is basically what my job is. So I'm not going to describe how my job works, which is to basically, you know, trying to improve climate and trying to make higher education more inclusive. But like, that's all that I could think of when I was watching this movie and seeing these women in these spaces and these overwhelmingly white male dominated spaces in STEM and trying to find their way, blaze their trails forward, not only for themselves, but also having a consistent eye to lift up other black women. Uh, that was always on my mind watching this film. And it just, it connected to so much of, so much of my life experiences working with people like them, working with brilliant black women students now that I work with and seeing their struggles and, and celebrating their successes and trying to put them on a path towards success. So I really connected with, with a lot of, with, with a lot of that, I guess. Um, what, what do you, what did you think about, I know we're, we're focusing on some of the different performances. The main performance we were, we were focusing on in this movie is, is Janelle Monet as, um, as Mary Jackson. So what, what stuck out to you about watching Janelle Monet in this role? I felt that while she's like a supporting character, anytime she was in a scene, like, I couldn't look away. Obviously, I'm watching a movie. I'm not going to look away. But, like, she just, like, has such a presence in the movie she's in. Like, I feel this way. Like, she's in Moonlight for, like, not that much of the movie. But she's what people remember. Um, and for Hidden Figures, like, she definitely, I'm like, I know this movie is, like, not really about her about her. But she just commands the scene so well that I am like wow I wish you were in more things (laughs) um I know she's like very talented just like an incredible um performer like her singing's great um she just she puts out such great stuff in general like she's not like in one type of movie in like if you listen to her music it just um it's not just like one dimensional um, and she, she is a performer um, and that is very evident in this movie. What did you think of her like watching this movie? Yeah, I, I, first of all, I, I see her as, I know her from her music. That's the, the frame of reference that I view her through. That's the lens I view her through. I, she dropped an album a, a few years ago. Her latest album came out, I think, last year or maybe in 2018, um, Dirty Computer, which I didn't yeah. get, but she dropped The Electric Lady. That came out, uh, I don't know, maybe 2015. Um, I'm looking it up, 2013. And I love that. I love that album. Great album. Um, her sing off that queen that was like my favorite rap verse of the year her rap verse at the end of that song she's I, i'm a big fan of Janelle monet um in this movie she is right from the opening scene from the beginning where their car breaks down there's a scene in the beginning where um octavia spencer and Janelle monet and taraji b henson they're on their way to work and their car breaks down and a white police officer kind of accosts them pulls up to them and again, like we say, uh, you know, some things never change, right? The tension with these three black women in the 60s in Virginia, and there's this white male cop, and they're trying to do everything they can to not antagonize him. And he ends up, it, it starts off, the interaction starts off um, 
antagonistic, but they turn it around because they know how to talk to him, basically. And that's a theme throughout the movie where they, whenever they have to deal with white people, they have to talk to white people in a certain way to de-escalate things and to present, present themselves as not being a threat so they, they can get what they want, which is something that I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit later. But right from that opening scene, like she's, she's the contrast to the other two. Mm-hmm. She is the, um, she's the wild card. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not sure how to put it, but she's the one, she's very, she's very straightforward. She's very, um, edgy or she's, she's, um, strong-willed. Yeah. Right. Where the other two are, she, she, she gives the officer a little bit of a piece of her, of her mind where the other two are more trying to immediately trying to deescalate things. She's the one that's kind of like, you know, the officer says something like, this isn't a great place for a car to break down. And she's like, well, we don't pick the place. Like the car just broke down, you know, like that kind of thing. She kind of engages with him in a way that's, um, that shows that she's not intimidated by him or afraid of him. And so that kind of carry o- carries over throughout the rest of the movie where she is, as you said before, she's, you know, working to get this degree and she has to take these night classes at this, at this white school. And she, she goes through some things to do that, but she's very, She's a very strong-willed character that is set up in contrast to the other two. Not that the other two are, are docile or anything like that, but she's, you can tell from the opening scene that she's different than the other two, I guess. Yes. Um, 100%. And then the scene where she, like, her shoe gets caught in, like, the grate near the, like, engine that they're testing... Um, and she just like, continues on. She just walks on and doesn't wear shoes. And it's like her first time in this new role. Um, she's just so confident. Um, and she plays the character so confidently. Um, and that like is the the scene that I think of where I'm just like, she doesn't even have to say much. She's just like, all right, I'm ready to work. And she's willing to do like all three of them. All three characters are like willing to do whatever because they're really trying to like push forward um in their career and they're very driven but um it it's a fun scene but also like it speaks to like how she just has to like maintain composure while also still being like oh yeah like i'm competent yeah it's funny you say you mentioned how it's like the fun scene and i feel like most of the comedy in the movie she's involved with yeah it's most of the funny moments and the i was going to ask you about the so Tarazi P. Henson, she starts off in the movie. She is um, a widow and she has three small children. And Mahershala Ali's character is a, a military person who she ends up marrying. And Janelle Monet is the one who kind of, Janelle Monet and Octavia Spencer's character are the ones who kind of push that, push, you know, push Catherine to kind of get out there and, and start dating again or whatever like that. But what did you think about those, those like kind of scenes? I I thought they definitely offered the, the lightheartedness, like this movie, if you really get into the weeds of it, it can be heavy. Like you're thinking about the 1960s in the United States, like to your point of like that, that first scene with all three women where, you know, they're, they're deescalating the situation with the cop and like, in my mind, there's no situation where like the civilian needs to deescalate a situation with the cop. That's the cop's job. But I digress. Um, 
And so in all of those different scenes like that, she just, she brings that lightheartedness that it really needs because you don't want to really sit in the, the story is not about how terrible things are in the sixties for between, well, as it relates to race relations, like you, you want to be focused on like kind of the barriers these women had them kind of overcoming them. And like, the story of like NASA, like that's what you want to focus on. You don't want to focus on the 1960s. Um, and so it's, it's good that her character like offers that. And it's good that it doesn't just like fade into the rest of the movie. Like it's good that it stands out so that you can be like, Oh yeah. Like this movie has moments of like, ha- like it's happy and it's like, it gives you hope. Um, and like the whole overall story, there's hope there but like again you get too into the weeds of thinking about the climate um at the time and it's like man what a bummer like it's kind of bleak if you're like yeah i'm gonna like try to get as far as i can like octavia spencer's character that's really like the um the storyline where it's just like man that's just miserable that you're like super competent you're really intelligent you're really deserving you work hard and like american culture tells us if you work hard you will succeed. That's not true. Um, we all know this. The people who say, just pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Like, okay. Um, it does. You can try as much as you want, but like, that does not necessarily equal success. Um, and yeah, again, Janelle Monet's character brings that, brings it out of being the, the bummer that is American history. Yeah, I think the, the subtext of the 60s just kind of really hangs over the movie yeah. itself. Yeah. We're, we're aware of what the times are. We're aware of how that impacts how these women live their lives and how they interact with people on their jobs. And it's, it's just there. It's not something that we need to, that the movie itself needs to dive into, right? Like they, we don't need a text on the screen about, you know, how Bronville should the board of education was in 1955, but it took a long time for various states to comply with it. And so America was still a very segregated place despite that legislation. Mm -hmm. Um, I think about what you say in terms of uh, bringing the joy into the the film. And I think that Janelle Monae, especially, I think about that scene where they're drinking in the house and they start dancing and, you know, we... It's it it always makes me happy to see scenes like that just to get um just to get a, a sense of what they're what they're like outside of the office and how close they are. Like you see how bonded they are in there. Um, you know, I think I can't remember which one of the characters. It might be might be Octavia Spencer is the one who who brings down the it looks like kind of like moonshine or some kind of liquor. And they just need to, you know, how many of us you get home from work, you've had a tough day and, you know, you need a couple of drinks. And that's, you know, again, we're, we're not living in a, a time where segregation is as rampant as it was back then, right? Like we're not having to deal with a fraction of, of the issues that they were dealing with. So it was, um, scenes like that just kind of, it brings joy and it also, it deepens the story in terms of how the characters, um, how their relationship is and how, how developed it is. What did you think of, um, what did you think, uh, this is 
broadly because she's the main character, but what did you think when you were watching um, Taraji P. Henson's performance? So I felt like it was very different from what I think of when I think of her. Um, I think she did great. Like, I, I think she was amazing and like, it was a really good role and very entertaining. She did it so well. Like her performance was very good. I think of like Empire and how she plays like a very in your face kind of character. Um, And so in Hidden Figures, like she does not. And so that's just like, kind of, I'm like, wow, I don't know what to think because I feel like a lot of characters she plays, they're just like very like loud characters and um, like Katherine Johnson is just like, she's just trying to keep to herself. She's just trying to like get things done and like press on. Um, so like I enjoyed it. Yeah. What, what did you think? Like, what are your, like, have you seen more of the like movies and uh, shows she's been in? So I've seen, I haven't seen Empire. My sister used to watch that. I never watched Empire. I know Tarazi Henson mostly from, I mean, her big breakout role, I guess would be Baby Boy, which was the beginning of, that's like an early 2000s movie directed by John Singleton and Tyrese is the main character in that one. And she plays his like main love interest. They have a child together. Um, she was nominated for an Oscar for um, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button which is a David Fincher film. Um, David Fincher directed film and Brad Pitt and um, Kate Blanchett were the, were the main roles in that one. But a movie that honestly, and I was just thinking about this just now, a movie I feel like she's really underrated in and she doesn't have a huge part in it is a movie called Smoke and Aces that came out when I was in high school. Have you heard of that movie? I've heard of it. I remember when it came out. I never saw it. I didn't know she was in it. She is. So she's, her role, she's like um she's like a hit woman. Her and Alicia Keys are like partners and smoking aces revolves around a bunch of like assassins um, or mob people or hitmen trying to kill this guy who lives in Lake Tahoe, I think, or something like that. And it's kind of like a, it's uh, kind of like a Tarantino esque type, mm-hmm. you know, it's, I've, it's, it reminds me, it's a little bit of a ripoff of like, um, what is Tarantino's movie? Reservoir Dogs. Kind of a rip off of that um, a little bit, but she's really good in that movie. And she's, she's not in it for a long time. That's another one I need to, to go back and watch again. But I remember watching her in that movie and um, she's just really good in it. And it's a different, it's not Cookie from Empire, right? Like Cookie, like you said, is a very like outlandish character um, just from the little bit of Empire that I've seen. But uh, in Smoking Aces, she's like really intense, but also she, she's like able to be intense, but also carefree at the same time. It's really interesting. And she is. her. She's working with Alicia Keys and they're trying to like, yeah, they're trying to, to get this guy and it, she's just she's really good in it. Um, and this movie, yeah, I think that she is it's a really restrained performance. And I think that it's kind of reflective of the times that the women are living in and how they're expected to um, portray themselves at work and in, in public or whatever. And she's just, um, she's, she plays a brilliant person. Well, you know, like you're, you, you see how brilliant she is and you're so, you're, you're so eager to root for her. And 
I think that the fact that she's so restrained and so, um, so controlled and so introverted, it makes the scenes where she has to like get after people, get on people's cases and kind of light into people. It makes it more effective. Yeah. So there's the scene where she meets Mahershala Ali for the first time and they're talking and he's kind of, she explains what her job is and, and being a mathematician at NASA and he's kind of taken aback by it. And, you know, I didn't know they would let women do that type of thing. And she kind of just goes in on him about, look, like I'm brilliant. I've earned my, um, I've earned my right to do what I'm doing. I was the first black woman to do this, like, blah, blah, blah. Like she just like goes in on him and he's kind of like, Oh wow. Kind of shook. Uh, and then later on where she is, in her office at NASA when she gets promoted to the, the space task force or whatever. And someone, she drinks coffee one day and then some, you know, all the white people see her and then they put the the colored coffee can there that they never fill up. And there's a time where she's so frustrated, like you said earlier, about how she has to go across campus to use the bathroom. And so she like gets after the Kevin Costner character, who's her boss and just kind of goes off one day. Cause he's like, why are you? how come you taking such long breaks? And she has to explain to him that she has to go across campus because there's no bathroom for black people in their building. And then um, she just like really goes in on them and everyone just kind of looks at her. And I think that those scenes are so effective because of the way that she plays the role the rest of the time. Like it's such yeah. a big contrast and she's not. And when she does it, I was so glad to see uh, I, something that was really subtle is that when she goes off on people afterwards, she's not like, she doesn't apologize. She's not like, I'm sorry. I sent a gun. So, like she's just, she says what she says and she meant it. And she's a character that's just really, she, we talked about Janelle Monet being strong-willed, but show is, show is she in, in just in a different way. Yeah. I agree. Um, 100% with like, it is, her going back and like making it more impactful in the way she behaves in most of the scenes versus those scenes where she does have to kind of be like, listen, <laughs> I'm very frustrated. Um, and yeah, I, I think I would assume that would be like how someone would act at that time. Right. Like where most of the time they kind of just try to keep to themselves, but eventually you just like have too much and you're like, listen, you got to stop. Yeah. Like, you know how we know how difficult it is for STEM students now. Yeah. Like the stories that I hear from, from my students who are um, students of color who are in these, in these courses and having to interact with these professors who are mostly white and mostly male and the difficulties that they have now, like in 2020, and they're slowly losing their minds from the stress of how hard the major is, how hard the work is. And then on top of that, you have to be a marginalized person in that space. Like it's extremely difficult even now. So to, for them back then, it's almost like, I don't know how they were able to, to persevere like that. And it's just a testament to their character and a testament to the type of people that they are and a testament to... Um, black and brown communities in general for, for generations who have had to put up with just the most horrific shit that they, that they've had to put up with and have still persevered. And that's another reason why, like we said earlier, one of the reasons I like the Octavia Spencer character so much is because it's indicative and it's, it's reflective of reality, which is black women um, 
not just trying to get ahead for themselves, but they're trying to get ahead to, to lift up other people behind them so that other people can have opportunities, so that other Black women can have opportunities, so that other Black people in general can have opportunities, so that other marginalized people can be can have these opportunities like at the forefront of every progressive um, freedom fighting movement in this country's history at the forefront of that has, has always been black women. So it's, it, it was great to see that reflected in, in this movie. So what did you think of Octavia Spencer's performance? Yeah, I thought that she was great. I, I thought that um, I would have liked to seen more for her Same. from her in the movie. Um, I know that it's, this is, this is, Catherine Johnson's movie. This is Taraji P. Henson's movie. She's the main character. She's the, um, I won't say, I mean, she is the hero of the story, but there are multiple heroes. So is Octavia Spencer. So is um, Janelle Monet. So is all those, those black women they work with. Um, but I thought that the, the interplay between her and Kirsten Dunst, like you said earlier, I thought that that, that was kind of a recurring theme throughout the movie where she's having to push against that glass ceiling keep pushing, keep pushing to get, um, to get paid and to get the responsibilities officially mm-hmm. in terms of job title that she had been working for and that she was already doing. Like she deserved to be the supervisor. She was already effectively performing that role and she just doesn't have the title. And that's, again, that's another thing that just really hasn't changed because that's still happening um, in different in different roles and different jobs, especially in higher ed. So I know this isn't a higher ed movie, but you know, this is the, the lens, the lens that I see things through. Forgive me people. If you're listening. <laughs> um, but yeah, she's, I, the interplay between her and Kirsten Dunst where she's, she keeps having to, to push and to push to, to get what she's due. And eventually she, she, you know, she breaks through at the end where she is able to, um, to get that job officially as supervisor. And then also another thing, black woman, the ingenuity, the foresight to know that these computers are going to put everyone out of a job because they can do the calculations faster. So I need to know how to run the computer mm-hmm. and I need to teach the people behind me how to run the computer so that we can be ind- indispensable. Um, so yeah, I thought that she, she was really brilliant in the movie and, and her character was really um really a a linchpin for the entire movie in a, in a lot of ways what did you think i agree with you where i wish there'd been more of her but again like you said it is um the story is more about katherine johnson and her the role she played um at nasa but like all three women are very significant obviously um and not just in that like what they did for nasa but in terms of like being black women doing what they were doing. Um, and Octavia Spencer, all three women, they are phenomenal actresses. And so I'm just like, I just want more of all of you in this. Like I want it to just be mostly you three and way less Jim Parsons who like, he's fine. I think he, like he did a, a nice job being a snarky white man. Like I, I love that for him, but I'm just- He like, is in a lot of the movie. He is, and he, um, and as I watch this movie, I see, when, I, when I watch movies like this, and, like, obviously, the story is not about the white people in the movie, but, like, to be a white person portraying, like, a really ugly part of, like, American history, um, I'm like, I wonder if, like, 
a lot of people are like, I don't want to do this because I think that it, it's fine. Or like, we've moved past this. So, um, but still, I'm like, I could do with less of you. And I, I'm sure like, I would hope, not I'm sure, I would hope that they would also be like, yeah, like this story is not about us. It's not for us. Um, we obviously have a role in this. Like they are the man that are putting people down, uh, the figurative man. So like, I don't know, more, more of Octavia Spencer, less Jim Parsons. It was so, um, it was so cool to see her. There's a couple different times in the movie where she's just like leading, like so she she interacts with the the group of women. It's basically like a temp agency, yeah. Where they're doing temporary jobs around NASA, and she's they're like in this big like it looks almost like a high school classroom or something. Mm-hmm. And there's just like a couple scenes where she's just like walking with them. Like there's just this large group of black women, and they're all like you know it's this they're in their sixties outfits and stuff, and they're just like moving as one unit throughout the the NASA campus and to see Octavia Spencer at the, at the forefront of it, like kind of just like leading them to different places. Like I just, that visual was just really cool to see for me. I just, I really enjoyed that. Um, so what are some, there've been some criticisms that I heard about the movie when it came out and I could certainly see them when I, <laughs> when I watched the movie. Um, I know that when it came out, so the, the Kevin Costner character, who is Tarasi P. Henson's boss, Catherine Johnson's boss in the movie, who I looked it up and he's kind of like a composite, that character is kind of like a composite of a couple of a couple different characters, a couple of different people who actually lived. But there's a scene, the famous scene where he kind of like knocks down the, the he goes to the West Campus and knocks down the, the colored women's restroom sign and that type of stuff. And, um, there's just a little bit of the 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 white savior aspect of the story, right? Yes. Like the oversimplification of it takes white people to come down and come down from on high and be like, okay, yes, we're great. We we understand you. We're gonna grant you this, like that type yeah. of thing. Um, and there there is there is some of that in the movie. What did you what did you think about that, or some of the other criticisms of the movie that you might have thought of? So definitely the white saviorism was something that I thought of and like going into it, like um, I talked to a friend who, who recommended it to me, who was like, I think you'll really like this movie. And I'm like, yeah, I've heard good things about it. It seems like right up my alley. Um, what'd you think of it? And they're like, I liked it, but it has the white savior problem, um, which it does like, and that, I think that's the most frustrating thing about this movie for me is that it is a black story and you have these three black women and not this like black women are kind of like shit on um throughout like american history it just it just is what it is um and so i'm just like man like don't make it seem like black women are allowed to like get ahead because oh well like you have to run to the other side of campus like let me save you from that like instead be like oh right this is my like this is something I need to hold like my other people accountable for and I just like can't super get behind the white saviors and because I'm like it doesn't solve anything like you're just like you're putting a band-aid over like a wound that like is gushing blood like you can't just do that like you have to like take apart the system 
um, which I'm sure in the 60s, that wasn't even like the language people were using in terms of, um, you know, helping black people out. So that that is like a little frustrating the way it's portrayed in the movie, because I feel like it was definitely not that simple in real life. And it probably took lots of conversations for people to understand like, oh, right, like we have created an environment that is suited to white men. Like it's not even really like Kristen Dunst's character. Like, I don't feel like even she is, um, well, she's not like really happy in her life, but like, I don't think like her character is like treated well as a, as a woman. And so, um, I, I think that it's just like a skating over like the bigger issue to be like, yes, there was a solution. And we came to this solution because this man helped these women. Like, no, that's not it. <laughs> yeah. I think that there's a lot of the movie that was just like kind of oversimplified. Like yeah. you said, there's some of the dialogue where it's like in the beginning when they're, when they get the police escort and, Janelle Monet has that line about it being like, it's 1916 Virginia and I can do this, blah, blah. And it's like, you know, you know, it's a little heavy handed, right? Like we, we know what the times are, we know what's going on. It doesn't have to be like as explicitly spelled out as that. And then some of the, some of the interactions between Taraji V. Henson and, and Kevin Costner, just like you said, like there's a lot of the, the white saviory oversimplification stuff of this, movie that should be centered on these black women yeah. and should be focused on um, their narratives and their, um, their journeys. And yeah, there's, there's some of the stuff that's just kind of just oversimplified. And I think that I think about if a different director had done it, a better director, I always talk about Ryan Coogler on this podcast, but like someone like him who, you know, all of his movies, Creed, Black Panther, Fruitvale Station, race obviously plays a, a a centralized role in all three of those movies. Uh, maybe more so in, in Fruitvale Station and Black Panther than it does in Creed, but it's also in Creed. And it, but it's not it there. It's not heavy handed. It's not. It doesn't beat you over the head with with what's going on. It's just implied there, but you still, it's still effective. So yes. I wonder if, if a different, better director could have made it more um, nuanced in a way, I guess. I feel like, yes, they could have. And like, it, like I like the movie. It was a good movie. And like, the, while there is that problem um, of the, just the white savior issue that happens in like a lot of movies where it's like a minority overcoming, like, you know, Malcolm X, you don't really see that. There is no white savior. Like, Spike Lee will not allow there to be a white savior <laughs> in his movies. Very true. Um, which is, like, it makes watching it, like, I don't want to say it's, like, a better experience, but it makes it where it's, like, a more true experience, Or it's, like, yeah, like, this is life. <laughs> like, there, you're telling this story, you're focused on the right, like, the right narrative, and you're not trying to, like, push in something that like the viewer doesn't care about seeing like I don't need to see the white savior when we're talking about black and brown communities and them succeeding like it's not that simple in that success and like it it doesn't have a space it shouldn't be in the storytelling like it there's no place for it here um so yeah for sure with like a different director I think this could have been 
it would have been elevated in the storytelling for sure. I don't know, like from the black perspective, I don't know if people would have given it as much recognition. So that's the thing where I'm like, would people have recognized this movie as much if there wasn't that white savior piece? Yeah, I agree with what you said earlier, where it's like, that's not, it's not a hidden figures problem. Like it's a Hollywood problem. Yeah. It's uh, it's, it kind of seeps into a lot of these, we could go movie by movie about, um, you know, movies that deal with black pain and the white savior coming in to, to, to blot out all of the blot out all the sins and be celebrated. And, you know, the knowing look between the white character and the black character and, you know, we solved racism, that type of thing. Um, It's, you know, American history is more nuanced than that. It's more, uh, it's, 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 more complicated than that it's more um it's more detailed than that and it it and it takes away from the black people who have who have fought to um achieve more equ- equitable outcomes for for marginalized communities so that's yeah that's not a that's not an issue of just this movie that's definitely a, a hollywood thing cuz hollywood loves to pat itself on the back too green book 100%. one Green Book won Best Picture in the year that Black Panther was always, also nominated. So that kind of shows you where where Hollywood's at. Um, no, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, like, it just speaks to, like, who in Hollywood is, like, actually control, like, in control. Right. Right. Who's the, who, who are making these decisions? Who feels good about making these decisions? Yes. And so we're... I was listening to a podcast today about how how more diverse the academy is coming is becoming because they keep inviting um different actors and actresses of color and and younger people in general so hopefully in these next couple you know this next decade or whatever it is we start to see some sort of substantial change and we're in a moment right now where hopefully we can see some more um some more sustained change from a, from a systems perspective. Do you have any more thoughts on this movie before so we I, wrap it up, I guess? Or? Yeah, I do have a question for you. So like sure. watching this movie, you have kids. I do. Is this going to be one of those movies that you're like, this is something you need to watch. And like, it's like rated PG. So it's child friendly. Um, what do you, when you think about this movie and like your kids, like kind of what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I think about um I think about my daughter who is I think about her first just because she's older. So mm-hmm. she'll be she'll be 4 in a few months and she's the one who'll be in school before um our son. Our son is about to be 3 months old. Yeah. So we I'm aware of the numbers of um black girls who are in STEM, black people who are in STEM in general. And I don't come from a STEM background, but I want to expose her to that. Mm-hmm. If that's something that she um, latches onto or something that she shows proficiency in or something that she just, you know, enjoys, I want to show it to her from that aspect. And then also just to see, um, just to see these women, these black women who are such an important part of history. That's something I'll show my daughter and also my son when, when he gets old enough to to sort of see it and understand it. So it's definitely one of those that'll go on the go on the required watching lists. We already have some books. We have a lot of books about 
black identity, about um, black history, about about women's history that Rosa loves. So, um, yeah, this will this will definitely be one that I that I show them. Is this something for you? I know you you don't have kids, but like, would this be something that you would put on a on a watch list for your kids? Yeah, um, it's definitely. Like that's very far out for me. So I can't like super comprehend it, but like I have cousins who are little, um, like I, my cousins are like seven and four. And this is a movie that I'd be like, yeah, you should watch this. Um, and especially because I, I understand the things that people say and do and like encourage young black girls where what they don't necessarily they're not like, oh, like, this is something for you. Like, it's good to see, like, oh, this is for me. Like, it doesn't super matter what people are saying. Like, obviously, these women can do it. I can do it. Um, so I, I definitely think of younger kids. And I'm like, yeah, no, this would be great for them. Um, and I I mean, obviously, little boys should watch it, too. Um, because boys should not just see men in STEM roles. Um, like it's important for both boys and girls, but for sure girls just to feel like it, it's in like middle school that girls stop being like confident in their abilities to like play sports, do math, like any STEM thing. So like, it's very important to see this, I think. Yeah. I think that it's important for boys. And this is again, something that I'll show my son Malcolm when he gets old enough, but I think that it's important for young boys, especially young black boys to, mm-hmm. to, to um, see women in roles like this, but to just to be taught to empathize with women. I think that a lot, if, if mm-hmm. you're lucky, if you're lucky as a boy, you're taught to respect women. If you're lucky, you're taught that. Right. But mm-hmm. you're not even, you're not ever really taught to empathize with women. You're never taught to put yourself in the position of a woman to understand how a woman sees the world, how she views the world, how a woman has to, has to engage with the world based off um, the oppression that are, that's specific to women, the, the, um, the threats that are present to every woman at every time, at all times. So you're not really taught as a, as a young boy. I wasn't taught that. And I just think gen- I'm generalizing, but I just don't think in general boys are really taught to empathize with women. And that leads to a lot of problems when they get older, when they come of age, when they're trying to have any type of relationship with women. If it's romantic, if it's platonic, if it's professional, if it's friendship, if it's whatever it is, I think that there's a disconnect because when men aren't taught to, to empathize with women at all. So that's something that I that I will definitely teach my son. And one of the ways that I can do that is... Um, by showing him this movie. So if you're in case you listen to this podcast to get my parental philosophy, I guess, there you go. (laughs) It's a good place to get it. I mean, I feel like uh, enough things are said that people can feel good about taking that philosophy and applying it. Hope so. And I'm, you know, I'm my, I'm learning myself half the time. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. So from what I understand, that's like, everyone so like you're in good company it's, it's parents around the world unite we're all making shit up as we go you love to see it um <laughs> do you have any other closing thoughts on um hidden figures just a good movie just a, a really good really entertaining and really 
important story, mm-hmm. important true story for people to know. So I'm glad that this movie exists and I'm thankful for women like Katherine Johnson, like Mary Jackson, like Dorothy Vaughn. I'm, I'm thankful for the women whose names we don't know who mm-hmm. did the work and who um, paved the way for, for, um, for people like you and I to even do podcasts like this. So well done hidden figures. Oh yes. And next week we will be talking about bad boys to really lighten up what we're talking about. A different, uh, a different mood shift for next week, for sure. Bad boys, 1995, Will Smith, Martin Lawrence. I'm really looking forward to this one. You haven't seen bad boys, correct? I have not seen it. And I know it comes on TV. Like it would come on TV when I was growing up, but I like never sat and watched it. Also in 1995, I don't, if a movie came out in the nineties, I probably am like, uh, was it Lion King? Because I, yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm I'm looking forward to watching it. One because it is a big shift. Um, to your point, like we've done like this historical, historical movies in terms of Malcolm X and hidden figures, um, which is great. Like it is important to like black stories. They are significant in history. Um, we can't only look at the story of MLK, despite what the public school system leads you to believe um it's it's important to like see these stories and understand how it then um impacts what we're doing now um but now just like a completely fiction movie with will smith who i feel like will smith was in a lot of movies that came out as we were growing up he was he was and this was you know i'm not going to step on the pod for next week but this is this is an interesting movie for Will Smith. This is pre-Independence Day. This is pre-Men in Black. So this is one of, this is a really important movie for him. And I'm excited to talk about why that is next week. Oh, I'm pumped. I'm excited to watch it and talk about it. But thank you all for listening. And we will talk to you next week. See you. Thank you.